welcome to episode 172 of Marketing Without the Marketing. My name is Michael Bosey. I'm your host, and I'm really glad that you're here. Now, I hope that you're all doing well, staying healthy, and as best you can, weathering this all the disruptions that we're experiencing, uh, both as humans and as small business owners. Uh, let's face it, this has hit us hard. I feel it myself. You probably do as well. And we're doing what we can to both support the businesses that we love and also as small business owners just trying to stay afloat. Now, my hope is that this episode and this mini-series that I'm launching will help with this a little. I want to talk about online stores, uh, both the strategy in general and optimizing these things so that they work really, really well, which might be more important than ever right now. Now, of course, this is not going to work for every single business, uh, but if you are doing some of your business online, uh, selling products and or services and doing that via a website and all that, this might help. This mini-series I'm calling Online Store Strategy 201 will be three episodes and part of a larger series called Content Marketing 201, where I go through everything uh, strategically about setting up and running a website, a blog, email strategy, social media. Now we'll talk about online store. Now, if you've been following along, you know that this whole thing is a part of what I call the customer pathway, a journey of sorts that a prospective customer comes along on with you, right? And you help guide them down this pathway. Not all of them are going to make it all the way through, but some will. And if you look at that top level, that starts with SEO and social media, bringing people into your site, right? Helping them with discovery. We bring them to a website where your blog or podcast or whatever uh, will help tell your story to these prospective customers. If we can, we want to get them on an email list, right? To keep drawing them in and nurture them to build up trust. We may use email automation, done so in a very light touch uh, and respectful way, but our opportunity to be in front of them more and more, again, all of this is to build up trust. And then at some point, it's time to ask for the sale. And this last stop in the journey is your online store, right? It's time for a transaction. And this is obviously a critical point. Someone is ready to pay you. It can't fail now. This thing can't fall down at the last leg, right? You have to be able to seal the deal here. And that's where your online store comes into play. Now, there are two key things. As I've laid all this out here, obviously, in this whole pathway, it means that you need to have this set up in advance. And number two, this has to be as frictionless as possible because, let's face it, there's already resistance to a transaction. As soon as someone's pulling their wallet out, got the credit card ready, you know because you've been there too, you pause for a moment. You hesitate, right? This is a big step in your relationship uh, when someone is ready to pay you. So let's look at this more deeply in this episode. And like I said, this might be more important than ever with more and more small businesses being forced to conduct most, if not all, of their business online. And this might be new to a lot of you, right, who haven't sold products online before. And if that's the case, I'll say up front, let me help you. 
Book a session with me and I'll walk you through it. Go to controlmousemedia.com slash strategy. Hit me up and we'll walk through this one-on-one. I've used most of the major platforms and many of the smaller dedicated ones as well. Let me help directly. I could shorten the cycle for you quite a bit with that. But what I hope is that this episode and the two that follow will give you the things that you need to do to get set up, optimize this so that it's working really, really well. All right, let's start with platforms. Uh, the major ones that I've used are 3D Cart, which is a standalone uh, platform uh, to be able to sell products online. Uh, I've got a lot of experience with that one, um, with a couple of clients in particular. But I've also used Shopify, that also has a standalone version and a plugin version where you know it just functions as a part of any WordPress site. Uh, much like WooCommerce, I've used this one as well. Uh, this one I've only used as a plugin on a standard WordPress site. I'm not sure if they have their own uh, online store. I, I believe that they do. And then the one that I use uh, most often for my sites is uh, something called MemberPress, which is a WordPress plugin for subscriptions. And I use this for my online courses and downloads. Now, look, these are just the ones I've used with clients. There are dozens of others. And you'll find that there are other websites like Squarespace, for instance, that has uh, online store features contained within it. So there are many, many different options that you can use. Now, all the platforms that I just mentioned function as sort of, you know, as a website, if you will, or a part of your website. And I'll get into this in a little bit. Um, But if you're not ready for that, there are also other dedicated platforms that are usually sector specific. So, for instance, uh, something like Gumroad is for selling digital products. And you'll find that a lot of folks, you know, can sell uh, ebooks there, for instance. Speaking of books, uh, Amazon KDP. Smashwords, Lulu, Kobo, all these are places where you can sell digital books or even print books like uh, Lulu in particular. Uh, Or think of, uh, you know, for selling artwork, jewelry, uh, paintings, design, things like uh, Etsy, uh, which is very, very well known. uh, But, you know, other places like DeviantArt is another popular one for art and design or music. could use something like Bandzoogle, which is what I use for my band, The Rockmores, uh, where we run our site on that and can sell digital downloads too. But for music, there's also things like CD Baby, TuneCore, DistroKid. We use DistroKid as well. Or, you know, for products uh, like uh, mugs or t-shirts, like something like Cafe Press can do both, or Spreadshirt, where you can design your own t-shirts and sell them. And these things function as their own marketplace and can help get you up and running really quickly. But whatever you do, whatever platform you use, you still have to consider that it is a digital representation of you. It's still a website, right? So that means that you have to have everything be super clear and direct. All of the standard rules of content strategy apply. It's just one step in the pathway, an important step, but it's still the pathway. So that means that we're going to treat this just like any other page or post on our site, right? A clear and direct title, uh, a clear and keyword optimized description, 
a nice image or series of images that draw people in and give them information about the product that you're selling. Uh, making sure all of this is organized really, really well with headers, uh, chunked content, make it easy for people to make a decision to purchase. All of the meta content that needs to be there too and optimize for SEO. Same rules apply. Now, I want to underscore something about SEO because this is going to help you make a big decision about what platform to use. Now, the absolute best case is to have your store live on your core domain. This allows you to aggregate all of your SEO authority on your core domain, right? So for instance, on my site, controlmousemedia.com, I run my store as a plugin behind the scenes on that. So to the visitor, it's invisible. And to Google, all those hits on my store or my online courses, those count towards my authority according to Google. This is great because you're not splitting your authority as, you know, in the case where, for instance, you have a site and a store. If those are two separate sites, Google's going to see it that way, and you're going to have to build up authority on each. To me, if I was starting from scratch, and I would advise any client that I'm working with to do, to do the same, if we're starting from scratch, let's do it all on the same site. Uh, the SEO benefits are really, really great. And you end up getting the most out of all of your efforts with that. And look, discovery can happen here too. I mean, just because we set this whole thing up to be a customer pathway uh, to work our way down from, you know, uh, the first touch on social all the way down to your online store. I mean, look, people could be searching for a product and they their first stop might be your store. Uh, so that's why SEO is really important. All right, but back to the pathway and assuming that this happens the way that you would expect it to, which is that someone's taken a long time to get here, right? It's the last point in their journey. They're making a decision to purchase or not to purchase. And we want to treat it with that level of respect, right? Someone's done a lot of work to get to this point. We want to honor that. And we do that by making it seamless and easy, right? It's very, very clear what to do. Uh, trust level is at an all-time high. Let's make sure that we don't sacrifice any of that to sort of, you know, cheap tricks and, and other ploys or anything that even could take the appearance of that. We want to remove all of that. And speaking of respect, you know, even though we're at this point, we don't need to go for the kill. We don't need to get the sale right here, right now. I mean, I know that the conventional wisdom is have one button, one action item on the page. But to me, you know, we don't have to be that directed. We want to leave a little room for people to do more research if they need to. If they're hesitating, maybe there's a reason for it. And maybe we can supply them with some more content that you know, bolsters their confidence enough to go ahead with the sale. I mean, look, we've all been there, right? We get to the shopping cart, we're ready to uh, hit purchase, and we have second thoughts, right? To me, take this as an opportunity to build more trust rather than forcing them into it. And I know that goes against conventional wisdom. It's like, you got them there, convert. But I think we need to respect our customers more than that. 
All right, a couple more things that I want to mention is that all of these things, because it's a website, are collecting and generating data. All of this activity is trackable, right? So that means there are two things that we want to do, connect Google Analytics and to install a Facebook Pixel. For Google Analytics, I mean, this is obvious, right? Just like any website, you want insight on what's going on with each page, just like you would with your, you know, the way that your blog uh, performs or your podcast. So you want to connect Google Analytics via some simple code that you can apply to your store site. Works just like your website. Uh, like I said before, if the tutorials uh, don't cut it for you, contact me. I can walk you through it. This is generally not very hard. And then you'll be collecting data on this. And then, oh, hey, you'll be able to take action based on actual data, not just by guessing. And this is incredibly, incredibly important. You'll know which products are the, uh, are the most popular. Uh, you'll know which pages people get to, uh, uh, where they bounce, right? That information is almost as good as getting sales data because uh, you know at that point uh, that the pathway is failing or falling down. You've found a fail point. That's immensely valuable information because it allows you to fix it. And if you don't have that data, you won't know that, right? People get there, uh, they leave without purchasing, and you've lost the sale, and you don't know why. At least with some data, you can start to make uh, take an action around this and try something new because you've identified a fail point. This is really good. And a quick word about Facebook Pixel. I mean, look, if you plan to run any Facebook ads uh, and you've got uh, and you operate in a sector uh, where that might work, uh, let's connect the Facebook pixel. It can do really cool things with page level insights for products. Uh, it even has abandoned cart code uh, that can integrate with some of the majors, which is kind of cool. And also you can match audiences uh, who have bought similar items. This is called lookalike audiences in Facebook and can be a really, really valuable tool. Not to mention that it connects to Instagram as well, all as a part of your business manager in Facebook. You have Facebook and Instagram. And look, this strategy won't work for everyone. It just depends on the audience to whom you're marketing. Uh, some are incredibly easy to reach and some are not. Uh, with some clients, uh, for instance, uh, it's a no-brainer just because that particular demographic uh, happens to be on Instagram. So we're going to use that uh, and maybe try running some ads. Now, I did a whole episode on this. It's the last episode, if you scroll back, um, about running Facebook ads and all the, you know, the, the considerations that would go into that. But the short version is make it a part of a larger strategy. It cannot be a one-and-done uh, what I found is there's little point to just boosting a post. It doesn't do much good. You want to have this pathway set up, active, all the way through uh, so that this is a strategy. And uh, it can be really effective if you're in the right realm. Now, again, if this is completely new to you uh, and you need some help, contact me and I can walk you through it. Again, controlmousemedia.com slash strategy, or just email me or hit me up on Twitter at mbozy. Uh, either way, uh, be easy to give you some uh, assistance on this. All right, I think I'll stop there, and I want to get into the two key levers. All right, I think I'll stop there for now. This is sort of an overview of strategy, but in the next two episodes, I want to get into the 
two key levers that you can pull uh, once you have someone on your online store. And those two things are scarcity and urgency. And uh, we'll just show you how to optimize those in the next two episodes. All right, I think I'll stop there. And hopefully that's a good overview of just, you know, getting your store set up and optimized. For the next two episodes in this mini-series, I want to dedicate to the two levers that you can pull once you have someone on your page uh, to get them to actually make a purchase. That's scarcity and urgency. And those will be the next episode, so I hope you'll join me then. Until then, stay healthy, stay put, uh, and I wish you all the best in weathering this. Again, reach out, let me know if you need some help. Uh, I'd be happy to do so. All right, we'll see you on the next episode.